ignited a deep passion for manufacturing within me. I started this show hoping to raise more awareness around the bright outlook manufacturing careers have. Join me as I sit down with some of the manufacturing industry's most successful change makers and learn how they're partnering people with technology. It's time to give people more meaningful work. This is Workforce 4.0. All right, and we are live. Hey, y'all, how are you guys doing today? Happy Workforce Wednesday. And uh, I'm really excited to have Jake Hall on today as the Manufacturing Millennial for Workforce 4.0, because today is a very special day, if you haven't heard. Today is Jake's birthday. Happy birthday, Jake. Thank you so much, Anna. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, so thanks for coming on the show. I'm really interested to learn more about uh, what you're doing for manufacturing as the manufacturing millennial and how you feel like automation is playing a big part in uh, progressing the workforce mm -hmm. instead of uh, maybe some of those old, uh, old rumors that we're trying to dispel of taking our jobs, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, before we get too far into it, um, some of our friends and I did a karaoke night uh, a couple weeks ago in Charlotte. And uh, as, as a memorial to that, uh, how, how would you describe, like, what's your musical taste and then what's your favorite karaoke song? So I appreciate all different types of music. Like I'm not like dedicated. Like some people are like, oh, I can't stand country. I can't stand classic rock. I can't stand rap or hip hop. I like everything. Um, in terms of a, a karaoke song, um, if I was feeling outgoing enough and I wanted to sing, I would probably pick a song by Queen. Um, and there's a, a lot of good ones because there's, I mean, pretty much I would say 50% of Queen's songs are, are pretty good karaoke songs. Um, and I would say I would probably pick Bohemian Rhapsody just because it goes on for a while. You've got some ups and downs. It's pretty common. I would say majority of the people know the lyrics at some points. Um, I, would, I would pick that to go with. Awesome. Yes, that's a good one. It's a long one, but it's worth it. Absolutely. And um, I, I love that. So cool. Very cool. Um, awesome. I'll have to remember that, uh, for, uh, for our next karaoke venture. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to get started with the conversation today, um, you know, you go to a lot of trade shows, mm -hmm. right? And, um, you do a lot with your company, Fine Zelstra, and then you also do a lot with your own brand, the Manufacturing Millennial. And I just want to know kind of what, from your perspective, when you're going to shows and when you're working with uh, manufacturing executive leadership, could you tell me a little bit more about some of the companies that you're seeing in person and maybe some great use cases for that are deploying technology successfully and what that looks like um, kind of from a floor level perspective and then also how it's... Uh, giving people more meaningful work, as I like to say. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so in general, I guess to start off with, yeah, we're, we're, I'm going back to a lot of trade shows, a lot of conferences, um, and I think a lot of people are excited to be at them. When coming out of the pandemic, people were housed up for a couple of years, not attending a lot of live networking events, and being able to be back in person and had conversations is um, 
is really exciting again. People are very passionate about the industry. People are very passionate about showing emerging technologies. And that's what we're seeing. Um, you know, I think one of the really exciting things about going back to trade shows is to see how trade shows are evolving. Uh, when, and I, I see Aaron in the chat as well, when Aaron and I were down at uh, the beginning of this year at Modex in Atlanta, Georgia, um, it was really interesting to see how that show has evolved, where it is now to where it was six, seven, eight years ago when it's in Atlanta every other year, where before it used to be very like heavy conveyor and mechanical um, in terms of technology. Well, now you couldn't walk more than two booths without seeing some sort of leverage between mobile industrial robots, AI-driven robotics and industrial robot systems, a lot of data-driven collection solutions. Um, and so I think what we're seeing in trade shows now is how manufacturing and automation and warehouse and logistics is transforming from a product-based industry to a digital-based industry and how we're now beginning to look at how do we leverage these emerging technologies to make our industry in, 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 in several ways um, more productive and not just more efficient? Um, how do we diversify our industry to be more attractive to an emerging workforce of millennials and Gen Zs? Um, and then three, how do we how do we diversify our industry with technologies that allows us to automate solutions that um, that were perceived as, as something that just had to be a, a manual operation for years? Yeah, that's some excellent uh, points there. And you're also seeing a lot more of, of technology coming out with the connected worker, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, on trade show floors, at least I have in my experience. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in the technology. I think that manufacturing as a whole, uh, we're we're definitely moving in that direction. Like you said, I mean, it is more software uh, mm -hmm. cloud based. And I think that every industry kind of borrows specific things from other industries. And I think, you know, uh, industries around us everywhere, healthcare, distribution, retail, uh, we're all borrowing from tech, right? And uh, trying to make that transition as easy and as painless as possible sometimes doesn't go quite like uh, you imagine, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, let's see here. There are a couple of comments in the in the chat. You guys, thank you so much for commenting and uh, blowing my comments up here. Aaron does say, I see a Bohemian Rhapsody video in the future. And that's, then, that's a long future away. That's a long future away. <laughs> I mean, the fall looks good, right? Um, anyway, uh, he also says when Jake goes to trade shows, he is the show. Aaron, I've been to a trade show with Jake. It's, it's like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you're just very personable and a friendly guy. And I think that you draw, you know, so many people in with your, uh, charisma. So appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, before I move on to my next question here, this is, um, a question here from a LinkedIn user. How do you convince older manufacturing company execs that automation is not their enemy? And this is a great question because this kind of leads into some of my further questions. Um, I would maybe, you know, choose to, to reword that a little bit, but, um, what do you say to that, Jake? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, 
I guess the, the the short answer that I always give executives that kind of makes them wake up and and honestly it's 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 a it's it's a double edged sword because sometimes it works well sometimes it doesn't is uh, when manufacturers have questions about automation I always say well automation isn't required and neither is being around in twenty years either as a company you know and and I think it points to the fact is automation is the key for manufacturers to be successful moving forward. And when you and, and when you convince an older manufacturing company that automation is a benefit, I think it's one of those things where you have to show how it complements your workforce. When you have an emerging, uh, when, when, when you have a workforce that is of an older generation, you know, we'll say Gen X's to, you know, some industries that are approaching the, um, the, the, the younger boomer age. I think what you need to do is automation enables your workforce. Automation enables your processes. It's not there to take away the existing processes. And a great example of that is, let's say you have a worker or a machinist who's been doing this machine setup tool on a press or an injection molding machine or a die um, for 25 years. Well, that person there has an immense buildup of knowledge that they've gained. And if that person were to retire, it's not so much the labor that you're losing. It's the skill of everything that they've learned and acquired over those years that is leaving the company. So how do you convince a manufacturing company executive that benefits awesome, that, that, that benefits is automation can leverage an operator's skill to be, to be passed on to a future generation. So if you were to make all the job setup and, and work instructions um, to move from a, a manually written process of something that's written down on a book or a piece of paper or inside a, a binder and move it over to a digital process, you're taking the knowledge of your workforce and, and creating an insurance policy on your own company and processes that that knowledge is going to live on. So I think that's one thing is, is it enables your workforce. It doesn't take away from it. Um, I think one of the other things as well is automation um, needs to be viewed as a, a solution that's going to attract a future workforce as well in their industry. Uh, there's a statistic or a study that was put out there by um, asking Gen Zs, which are the ages between uh, four and 22 years old, saying, where do they want to go with their future careers? Well, at the top of the food chain was a STEM-based industry, a science, technology, engineering, math-based industry. Behind that was healthcare. Behind that was finance. Um and, and a few other industries. Well, at the way bottom of the list, um, below tourism and hospitality at 4.5%, existed manufacturing at 3.6%. And I think what's what's viewing is when a lot of manufacturing companies say, why can we hire workers? It's because the younger generation views your industry as a uh, their, their, where their grandpa used to work. And automation is, a, is something that's going to make a manufacturing company into a STEM industry, right? Because we all know that in a lot of facilities, the latest technology and innovation and resources can be available when you're walking in. It doesn't have to be this manual process. It can be this process that has great you know, technology invested behind it. And that's what's going to make a, a younger generation excited about coming to work for that company. So I think those are, those are two things that I would say is where do you start your approach? You, you do it to de-risk your existing workforce and their skill knowledge. And then you do that to enable your future workforce to come and work for you. I love that answer. Um, absolutely. Um, the tool and die use case is, is perfect. I've personally recruited and been successful at placing tool and die um, 
technicians. And it's, it's a very hard position to fill because mm -hmm. there are not very many of the people available with that skill set. Yeah. It is a very difficult skill set. Um, it is a very laborious task. And Absolutely. yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do. So how do you supplement that in recruiting, you know, from a workforce standpoint, um, how do you supplement that? And, uh, you know, the answer is through technology. Mm -hmm. And then also to build on that, um, that's exactly what I mean. Like manufacturing is becoming more of a STEM related field and the ability to accept that and change with it and grow with the industry instead of kind of fighting against that current, right. Yeah, um, it's going to really open the doors, uh, for more and more uh, younger generations that are used to having the technology already available, uh, to come in, you know? So I love that answer. That was mm. awesome. Good job. Um, so, that kind of goes along with this age old question of robots versus humans. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's like bringing up politics for some reason. I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the deal is, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's like a whole political statement when you bring up robots versus humans. So why do you, why do you think that is? I mean, why do you think there's such a resistance to this change? And, uh, I think from your former answer, we can gather where you stand on this, argument but why do you feel like there's such a resistance there? yeah i mean i think i think during there was there was a point in time in the 1980s and 90s in the u.s when a lot of manufacturing left the u.s and went over to china and um it went, it went overseas and automation was being used as a term to be able to compete with low-cost labor over in china for for you know several decades um and at the time go back to the 1980s well you look at the, the 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 pay wage gap between u.s manufacturing and china um china's labor was 30 times lower cost than it was in um compared to the u.s in terms of product production well um over the last 30 to 40 years that variation of 30 times has now dropped to 3.5 3.5 times so you look at the 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 low cost labor that once competed with american manufacturing is no longer um necessary there in fact when you look at the numbers uh china is actually the largest integrator of industrial robots in the world now um it would take the entire european union and the americas of canada um united states of america and mexico and all of their robot integration installations to be able to match what china's producing annually in terms of robot installations um, so it's a massive, massive number. Um, if you were to go out there and say, you know, hey, robots are taking jobs, robots are removing people from the industry, uh, I would argue with that. I think in a lot of areas, robots are creating new jobs here in America. Robots are creating new opportunities. Robots are helping manufacturers be able to be more productive in what they're doing to stay competitive in a global economy as a result of leveraging automation to make them more productive. Um if there's a person doing a task and is replaced with a, a cobot or a robot of some sort, yeah, absolutely. And that operator can then 
well, and should be then trained in a way for a manufacturer to better create value and skill within that person. I don't think any manufacturer right now, at least from what I've seen so far now, maybe five, 10 years from now, who knows what the economy looks like, who knows what the state is. But I can tell you right now in our current state, manufacturers can't find enough people. There's currently 900,000 open jobs right now in the US in manufacturing. And manufacturers are trying to find new ways to be able to alleviate the, the skill gap that exists currently in America. Um, and actually the downside right now is the delivery of robotics is actually hurting the U.S. because they can't keep up with the current demand of components that are being delivered. Right now, um, a lot of American manufacturing is struggling because automation solutions can't be delivered um, to their production. But going back to robotics specifically, um, no, robots doesn't take jobs. I think robots work and people rule. I'll, I'll use that term that Eric uses over at Plus One Robotics. That. Um, I love that so much. Yeah. But I, I, I think I think the state that we're in is robots are here to alleviate tasks that are boring, repetitive, and create high turnover within manufacturing facilities. If a person is only sticking at a job and doing it for three months and then leaving the company because um, it's a, it's a tough, laborious job that either it's high um, physical work or really boring, you know a, a re, re, repetitive job that just creates no value, that manufacturer needs to find a way to create more value with that person's job. Um, and by creating more automation solutions, by becoming higher tech, you're creating higher valued, higher purpose, higher paid jobs. And that's statistically what we see in the industry. Exactly. I mean, you know, you look at some of these uh, roles that there are hundreds of openings for, right? We'll just take, um, I don't know, we'll take Packer, Picker Packer, for example, it's a great example. Um, you know, that role would, you know, since since 2015 or so, the wages have improved, like, quite drastically. Yeah. I will say. Like, it went from, like, $8 an hour, $10 an hour to, like, now it's around, like, $15, $16 an hour. But if that role can be performed more accurately by a robot, and that's just a repetitive task, all day, every day. And then your human workforce are upskilled and retrained yes. to maybe either coordinate the robot, to program the robot, what have you. You're looking at a $10, $15 wage increase an hour. I mean, those mm -hmm. roles pay around $25 or $30. Um, yeah. So that's a fantastic point. And uh, why, and it's also giving your workforce higher quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one challenge, the one thing out there as well is um, I think robotics in a lot of ways has democratized the ability for people to improve their own career. Um, I was just having a conversation with a guy from Fanuc, um this morning, and Fanuc has over 1,400 um, schools and, and secondary education centers where they have the robots for, for training. And, and I think one of those things is for the general population, you don't need to go and get a four-year degree and graduate from a university with $35,000 in student debt to be successful in your career. Um, you can go and get a three-month training course at a local community college or a skilled trade center and be in demand instantly and create value within a manufacturer. And I think that's just the one thing that makes, that makes manufacturing so incredible is 
if you go get an engineering degree or you come and get a skilled trades and you work as an operator and you move up within a company, um, you could be successful. And I think, and I think that's what made me made manufacturing so exciting is I was in Chicago a couple of weeks ago and I was sitting around with a board of executives from some very large manufacturing facilities. And I said, how'd you get in the industry? I started working on the shop floor 30 years ago. And now here's this VP of a fortune 100 manufacturing company on the, you know, the top level. And, and he didn't go and, and he eventually did go back to school to get his MBA, but the, the school, the, but the company paid for that. But he started out as a typical shop floor guy at a company. And now he's an executive, a billion dollar company. Um, I think that's what makes this industry so excited. And I think you can walk into any manufacturing facility and look at a high level management position. And I guarantee you, you will find at one point in time, that person started at the way bottom of a manufacturing facility, probably not even with a degree and you make a way up for that. So people saying you need to have a degree to be successful in life, I would say is, is a completely um, false myth uh, that that's out there. I mean, I'll give you another example where the uh, the welders in manufacturing right now. There's 550,000 welders um, in the U.S. for manufacturing. The mean age of those is 55 years old. Well, we're going to see a massive retirement happening within welders in the next 10 years. Where does that leave a lot of people? Well, that leaves a massive skill gap for skilled welders in our industry. Um, and we're finding robotics as a solution to be able to alleviate some of that, that labor. But a 18 year old kid can go and graduate from high school, become a welder, and he can have a very successful, very successful career very early on at his age, graduate with no debt and be making a very, very, very comfortable wage in the industry. Um, and, and the great part about that as well is people say, well, not everyone's book smart. It could be an engineer. I, I totally get that. I totally understand that. And, and you don't need to be book smart to be successful. You can go and, understand how to work with your hands and do basic problem solving and you can have a very successful career. Um, and that I think is what makes manufacturing so exciting going back to the whole entire thing of, um, you know, robots are taking jobs. I would say is, is a myth. Robots are creating new opportunity. Um, and I think that's just across the board that we're seeing in, in automation in general. Absolutely. Um, so that really inspired me to be in manufacturing as well when I was working for the state of Kentucky. And part of that role was unemployment insurance. And part of the subsect of that role was um, looking at wages and then employment matching because you, you had to, you know, honorably and uh, ethically match someone with a similar role that would provide them similar employment wages, similar yeah. quality of life. Um, and seeing wages and looking at all that really inspired me with manufacturing because operators were making, you know, in some cases, six figures without mm -hmm. any college degree. Absolutely. And uh, Absolutely. I just, I was so inspired by that. And I love that, that story. That's an amazing share. Um, let's see. Um, we are running a little low on time today. Day, uh, so I may not be able to get to all the comments here, but I do want to ask you before we close for the day. Yeah. What inspired you to start making those videos? Because we see your videos on LinkedIn. You're now on TikTok making videos. What really got you into that? Because I, I love them. Um, I shared them with my son. He loves them. Um, what, what kind of inspired you to start doing that? Yeah, I think, I think the general consensus is, 
I want to be able to create a, a, uh, an environment where people celebrate what manufacturing is and people celebrate all the cool machinery and skills and people working in this industry and bring it to a platform that is short in social media, right? Social media is, is all about consuming content very quickly um, in, in short spurts. So I said, you know what, I'm going to start. And I started this during really the pandemic of, of 2020 is when it kicked this office. You know, I'm going to start creating and highlighting manufacturing processes that are using cool automation to dispel this myth that manufacturing is just this dark, dirty, dangerous stall environment. And it's an industry full of innovation and technology and automation. Um, and so being able to then create short form videos creates engagement, it creates excitement. Um, it allows us to be able to create and share content to our, um, our other people, not necessarily in the industry to highlight, Hey, this is, you know, I today, like today, like you mentioned, it's my birthday today. So I highlighted a video of how sprinkles are manufactured. Well, not a lot of people realize that, Hey, you go from a, a, your, your raw components to a mixing machine, to a table, to a sifter, to an extruder, to a conveyor, to a, you know, grinder, and then mix everything together to get your 99 cent sprinkles that you put on your ice cream or your cupcakes or whatever like that. But I think what's important is to show is there's a lot of cool processes that go into everyday products that we use um, here as a heavy consumer, you know, uh, culture in America. Um, and if we can leverage and share all the cool stuff about it, I think that's going to get more people excited about what our industry has to offer. I, I agree. And I love that. And millennials and the younger generations are always where on their They're online. They're on social They're media. Online. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I mean, it's the perfect spot for that. That's something that I encourage my clients when I'm working with them too. Uh, you know, you have to really be proactive on social media. You have to have good branding on social media because they're, everyone's online. Everyone is somewhere on <laughs> online. these Absolutely. Days, you know? Absolutely. Um, perfect. Well, um, this title of the episode is actually, and there was, I know you were a little confused about it, so I will explain briefly. Um, but the title of the episode is called The Robots Aren't Coming, They're Here. That's something that I said on LinkedIn, I think, in one of my comments, um, because you were you were asking, you were saying, you know, did I say that? I don't remember saying that. I was like, no, that was me. I said that. <laughs> um, so when we're looking at uh, having these conversations about implementing and deploying technology, to manufacturing facilities. How do you feel like change makers and decision makers and industry leaders, how do you feel like they should approach their workforce um, in leading those conversations? Yeah, I think that, you know, just to keep the, the conversation short, because now we're wrapping up on time, I would say when you're looking at these couple of conversations, you need to understand that your audience is different than it was 20 years ago when it when you were working with you know, Gen Xers and, and older generations um, where older generations said, hey, just give me a simple place to work with a paycheck and I'm good and I'm happy. And that's that's where I'm at. Well, younger generations, millennials and Gen Z's, they want to be able to find purpose and sustainability and and, um, and be proud of what they do. And I, I think it's one of those things where um, people say these younger generations are entitled. They you know should work on the bottom and work their way up. Um, I think every generation, there's certain people that are entitled. I don't disagree with that. But what I think um, what you're seeing this younger generation be is um, 
they're they're a lot more educated on the current state of a lot of industries and processes. Um, and they're very communicative on what they're doing every day. And if they feel that what their job isn't creating something of a higher purpose or they're not being invested in um, to, to grow within a company, they're saying, you know, I'm not going to be a part of a, a organization that's just using me to work from eight to five and not being appreciated. Um, so I, I think, you know, what manufacturers, what companies need to realize is how are you driving, um, how are you driving purpose into your workers? How are you investing in them? How are you creating an engagement and understanding how younger generations communicate and work and address problems and problem solve and, and, and do all that stuff? I think, you know, the great example I always use is when it, whenever you wanted to replace a component on your car 15, 20 years ago, you picked out a Haynes catalog out of an auto zone and you looked in the back for an index and you learned how to replace your alternator and the components behind that. Well, now with our industry and technology, we just go on YouTube and we look at that exact same thing. We get visual instructions on how to address problems. If your company is not adapting to how the future generations be um, make decisions and problem solve and you don't enable them with how their way of life is, you're not going to be able to bring them into an industry that they view as a 15, 20 year old, you know, um, culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you've really got to enable people and empower them and technology is the path forward to do that. So I love that. This has been a great conversation. If anybody's out there listening or if anybody wants more information on kind of how, uh, to get younger generations interested in the workforce or even more information on the manufacturing millennial. Um, can you tell us where to find you, how to reach you? Yeah. I mean, I would say the best place is find me on LinkedIn. You can search Jake Hall or the manufacturing millennial. My pages will come up. And then of course I'm also on um, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and you can find me at mfgmillennial.com or at MFG Millennial. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. Um, it, it does mean a lot to me that you want to do this on your birthday. Thank you for My helping pleasure. me help you celebrate. And I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you to everybody in the comments and listening today. I really appreciate it. Um, reach out to Jake if you have any more questions or you need his contact information. Um, for for now, we will see you next week. Uh, we are going to have Megan Zimba on. So I'm really excited and looking forward to that. But thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next week.